You are in for a treat today because I am chatting with Aram Gregorian, who is a fellow nutrition coach. Uh, We found each other on Instagram and I love him because he serves up the best no-nonsense advice. And you are in for a treat today because you are going to learn the secret to fat loss. And spoiler alert, there really is no secret. Of course, the secret is to continue going. But what you're going to take away from this episode are the big rocks that you need to be doing in order to reach your goals. Even if you feel as though you have a huge mountain to climb, you are going to have the tools you need in order to start making that ascent. You're going to walk away with actionable items that you can put into place today. So enjoy and please let either of us know if we can help you in any other way. I've got links to Aram's Instagram and website so you can connect with him. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Very excited today. I'm always excited when I get to talk to my fellow coaches. I'm here today with Aram Gregorian, and we're going to talk about like all the stuff you really need to be doing. This is one of the things that really attracted me to you in the first place um, with your social media. I was like, this guy is simply speaking the truth. There's nothing fancy here. There's no bells and whistles. This is down and dirty what we need to be doing. And I kind of want to talk about that today with our listeners. Can you tell me what is your approach to nutrition and training? Um, well, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. And the, the reality is it's not rocket science. Right. None, of, none of the actual science behind how this stuff works is very difficult to digest or understand. Mm-hmm. It's just we've been sold a bill of goods for so long by the industry that's been trying to sell us products and, and results as opposed to just a process that works. Mm-hmm. Um, so the simplicity behind it just lies in the daily work. And the fact that I have to put one foot in front of the other daily to keep moving forward. And we're not robots and we're, we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to have days and weekends where we mess up and we're going to have kids birthday parties and depression days and breakups and firings and all of that stuff is going to mess up our trajectory. But at the end of the day, if you understand that if you have more good days than bad days, when it comes to eating and and working out, you're probably not going to be okay unless your goals are super, super specific, and then you don't really have room for error. Right. Well, I love what you were talking about um, with the process versus results. I think that's something that people can look out for. Okay, is this product, is this program trying to sell me a result, or are they selling me a process? Because if you get the process down, you can guarantee the result will, will get there. So I think that's something people need to be looking out for. I think it's also trying to like, for me, at least like my, my exploration call with the client initially is very brutal. Mm. Like I, I, I asked them what their biggest issues are. I asked them what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gives me an idea of what type of personality they're going to have. Mm-hmm. And if they start already telling me like, I want this, but I won't do this or I want that. And I won't do that. I basically tell them like, I don't think this is going to be a good fit for you because I require you to at least do four basic things. And that's, I need you to communicate with me as often as humanly possible. I need you to track your food, no matter good, bad, or indifferent. I need you to get your steps at least five out of the seven days. And I need you to hit your water goal five out of seven days. Mm -hmm. If you can't do those four basic things, there's no coach on the planet that can help you. That's the honest goodness truth. You know, I think a lot of people think that hiring a coach 
is going to solve all of their problems. Like, oh, I'm working with a ROM now. It's going to be amazing. Still have to do all the steps. You just now have a guide to help you know what's the next right step. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, so I've been trying to be like a a good example of this is I've been trying to become a firefighter for about eight or nine years now. Mm -hmm. And it's a basic standardized written test to get at least past that initial screening process. And they sell all sorts of study guides and stuff, right? So it's the same thing as if I went and bought a study guide, I still have to use the study guide in order to guarantee some level of proficiency of the material to then go in and regurgitate it. The study guide purchase itself isn't going to get me the test score that I need to get. (laughs) So just because you're paying full disclosure, I always tell, I don't give a shit, Like you know my price, it's 250 bucks a month. If you pay me that money, you still have to go through the motions of doing what we've talked about week in and week out. And if we're having the same conversation at week six that we had at week two, then clearly there's some disconnect between what we expect of each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so true. Well, let's bring it back to, you know, fat loss is not rocket science. And I think that's also where companies and programs, they, they want you to think they have this magic secret sauce Well, I tell you, you and I have the secret sauce as well as all the other great coaches out there. Let's talk about what fat, what really, what fat loss really takes. So, I mean, you, you mentioned that the other day in a post, you were talking about calorie deficit. Everybody on every good coach on social media is always screaming calorie deficit. And if you, if you hear that as a lame lay person, you're going to think, well, I have to eat less than I'm eating now. Yeah. I've gotten fat because I've accumulated too much food over too long of amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's not always the case. A lot of things are happening. You may be losing muscle mass. Your hormones might be changing. Your mm-hmm. shitty sleep may be contributing to your hunger cues. You may not be processing carbohydrates the way you used to. You're digestively not in the same spot you were 15 or 20 years ago. You may have had two or three or four children since you've, you've been at your goal weight. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different factors involved and simply eating less is not always going to be the issue. Cause if right now, for example, you have to understand what your basal metabolic rate is. Yeah. You have to understand how much activity you're doing every day. And when you understand those two numbers, which are very theoretical, but at least give us a starting point, then you can do some inventory on how much you're eating daily. Look at that average over the course of seven to 14 days. And if those numbers are wildly off, then we have to either close that gap or make that gap tighter in order to make the metabolism a little bit healthier and more responsive. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, it's just not getting the cues or the signals consistently enough for it to want to change or adapt. Because say, for example, you're living in a natural 800 calorie deficit, right? Your BMR is 1500 and you have another 700 calories of activity a day that puts you at 22. Yeah, 22. And say as a woman, you're only eating 1400. Mm-hmm. in theory you should be losing a ton of weight weekly but if you're not that means that your body has now adapted your metabolism has adapted to that 1400 calories mm-hmm. so in order to lose weight you'd have to eat probably five to eight hundred calories lower than that and that's just uncomfortable and it's unsustainable and it's going to be basically borderline malnourishing yourself and how long are you going to be able to maintain that and what, what are you going to lose five or six pounds maybe Exactly. And then you, because it is so unsustainable, you're going to slingshot the other direction. And this is exactly why you are in the spot you are in. I want to talk about this whole thing because what you have been doing the past 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years 
has an effect on your current metabolism. So this is why you have to take a look at how healthy is my metabolism? Am I ready to actually lose fat or do I need to repair my metabolism? Is it time for me to focus on health goals, not physique goals right now? And yes, losing fat is going to help some of us get healthier. But if your metabolism is down in the tank, it's, it's going to make fat loss even harder. So let's do what it takes to get your metabolism up and running. And so this is why before we hopped on the call, we were talking about reverse dieting. Tell me about your take on reverse dieting, um, your thoughts on it. Do you do it with your clients? That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, like I told you before, I have 38 people that I work with now and not one case. So I had to look at them and say, you need less food immediately. <laughs> I mean, I work with people that are three, 400 pounds and I'm feeding them more. Yeah. You know, I have, I have guys that I'm still trying to get up to three or 4,000 calories in some instances because until your metabolism, until your energy is balanced, meaning your calories in and calories out are matching up to some extent within a range, mm-hmm. your body really isn't in an environment where it wants to shed any fat because its fuel sources are wildly off. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be pulling from fat storage at that point. It wants to conserve as much energy as it, as it has because that's the cue you've given it. You've given it erratic and unpredictable signaling for decades saying that I don't know when my next meal is coming or I might just go and gorge. And those patterns are going to tell the body to say, okay, well, we have enough fat stored. We'll be able to just kind of run off that a little bit. Otherwise we're going to burn whatever gets put in. So you end up, you end up living your life like a hybrid car. Mm. And if you live like a hybrid car, that means you're going to get 40 miles to the gallon, but I don't want you getting 40 miles to the gallon. I want you burning off every ounce of fuel you put in. Like you need to be like a Hummer. Yeah, you want to be this big gas-guzzling machine. That's what I want. I'm a big-ass truck going down the road. Yep. And yes. the second you can get to that point, but then, you know, there's a lot of factors in that. Mm-hmm. Your age has a contributing factor. Your, your previous history of eating has a, has a factor to that. Your sleep quality, how often or how not often you move, how much water you take in, what type of macronutrient split you're currently eating. Are you super carb or protein or fat heavy? Um, are you doing any type of significant resistance training or are you only doing cardio? Um, what level of intensity are you exhibiting when you do work out? Have you had any hormonal issues in the past? I mean, there's, that's the problem is there's, you have to understand and be aware of all of it. And if you're not, you're going to leave something on the table. And at some point you're going to be disappointed in your lack of results. That's so true. And that's why, yeah, fat loss is simple in theory with, okay, I need to be in a caloric deficit, but you're absolutely right. It's not always the right time to be in a deficit or perhaps that deficit is so low. It's going to cause all this other stuff that we've already talked about. But one of the, you just said something about strength training. This is one of the best things, if not the best thing that we could be doing to help prevent our metabolism slowing down as we get older. So let's talk about strength training and why it is so important. Yeah. I mean, your goal every time you walk into the gym or every time you're working out should be, I, excuse me, I need to be able to maintain and or build lean tissue as often as possible. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is it's very hard to do, period. I mean, I'm 5'8", 210 pounds, and I'm probably the quote unquote, the most muscular I've ever been, but it's a, it's an everyday struggle to stay at this size. Mm-hmm. I have to eat an abundance of carbs and calories and protein. I have to constantly strength train. So, you know, this female misconception of if I'm going to pick up a 50 pound dumbbell, I'm going to get massive and not going to fit in my clothes. 
it's just going to take you too long to get what you think is too bulky. And if you're too bulky, that means that you probably have a very thick underlying level of fat underneath that skin that's not being burned off because your nutrition sucks, your recovery sucks, and or you're over consuming or overindulging on booze and or sugar and or fat and or sweets. And that's why you're not getting where you want to go because you're not pairing your nutrition to your fitness. The reality is I have a, I have a woman who's almost 60 years old and she's 125 pounds. Uh-huh. And I have her doing barbell hip raises with almost 250 pounds. Yes. So this idea, and like, she's a tiny little thing. She's not getting any bigger. She's eating almost 200 grams of carbs a day, but she does everything right. She drinks a ton of water. She takes 15 to 20,000 steps a day. She sleeps for seven to eight hours a night. She strength trains five to six days a week. She does very little cardio, if any at all, other than walking. So she's kind of a model client in that she understands the process and she enjoys it. But she also has earned the level of, of that right to be able to do all those things mm-hmm. because she's been consistently now doing it for probably the better part of a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And her inches have favorably changed in her direction. She's gotten a bigger butt, which she's wanted. Yes. So at 60 years old, she's building muscle. So and awesome. There's nothing aesthetically not pleasing about that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what a woman's ideal body type is. I think that's very variable. And, I, and who am I to judge and say, this is what I want you to look like. Right. But every woman always speaks about lean and toned. Lean and toned means underlying muscle mass. Right. Leanness comes from muscle. You right. can't be lean if you don't have muscle, which is why you cannot Peloton stair stepper or run your way into your, no matter what it is, ideal physique unless you want to be skinny fat i'm sorry to say that i mean even look at like that, that's why i love your page so much because your yoga yoga is in your handle which yeah. you're clearly obviously proficient in but you spend probably a bulk of your time lifting weights oh yeah i didn't get my body from yoga no way yeah i get my body from strength training and also to your point i mean i did strength train when i was in high school because i was an athlete um and I've done, I did it when I was in college, but nothing like what I do now. And I can tell you, I lift heavy. I lift heavy for a woman. I lift as, as heavy as a lot of people who compete in like Olympic lifting competitions or not powerlifting competitions. I am not big and bulky. No. Like, well, and I've been doing it for five years. You're not going to get big and bulky because you're not also going to train the way I train. I know you're not. So I'm doing what would potentially get someone bulky. But my nutrition is paired also with my training. So while I reverse diet, I'm not eating in a huge surplus to where that would be one other way that you could get those bigger muscles. But maybe you want bigger muscles. More power to you if you do. Well, I I think another big point to make, especially for females, and I think that's an abundance of both of our clientele base, is if you like carbs and you want to be able to eat carbs, you better be willing to train heavy and train often. Yeah, because then you'll get, you're going to earn back all that carbohydrate because every time you destroy that muscle tissue during your workout and all those glycogen stores, which is glucose from from carbs, mm-hmm. that's where it's coming from. So when you when you destroy, you spot you basically create a sponge effect, and now the muscle will absorb all those carbohydrates and use them as fuel mm-hmm. and volumize and make an aesthetically looking physique, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm not doing any strength training at all, and I'm in the fat burning zone all the time, but all that's really doing is burning off muscle tissue because it's so expensive to hold on to. 
the body will never, ever, ever in a million years will ever target fat first. No. That is the absolute last fuel source that it will go to in order to basically survive. Mm -hmm. That's why when you're in a state of ketosis, it's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Like ketosis, which people think is this amazing fat burning tool, it's a survival mechanism that the physiology has as a absolute last resort because there is absolutely no food left for you to eat. So think about that. Think about that. If you are doing keto, you are basically putting your body into its last ditch effort. That does not sound like it's coming from a place of love to me. And I'm all about coming from a place of love with this stuff. But, you know, our, we, we're also running off of very archaic software, right? The, right? Our body thinks it's 2000 BC. Right. It doesn't realize that we have cars and that we're not walking from place to place and that we have a big box that's cold that has food in it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it still thinks that we're being chased by animals and we have to hunt for our food and we're, you know, sleeping in different places every night. We're walking miles and miles and miles to our next shelter. It doesn't realize that we're sedentary. It doesn't realize that we're chronically stressed out because of either work or screen time or relationships. It doesn't realize that we're constantly comparing ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't know all these things. So no. <laughs> what we have to do is we have to be kind to it first and treat it in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. And being healthy means like your responsibility as a human being, as an adult, is to exercise and is to eat well and is to move around often. So if you're not doing those base level things, mm-hmm. nobody can help you and, until you'd finally decide to make that decision to say, I care enough about myself to want to treat my body better. Like, don't get me wrong. Go have your glass of wine or five. Right. You know, go eat your apple pie. Go have a steak dinner. I don't give a shit. Right. Just understand that that can't be the prevalence of your dieting. No. And, you know, I think you said something that was really great. This is your responsibility as an adult. And most of us aren't living this life alone in a bubble. So that means there are other people who are counting on you and relying on you. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're not doing those people any favors either. Like I'm, if I had an employee, I want my employee to be taking care of themselves for lots of reasons because then it show, shows they have self-respect. It shows they can make a commitment to themselves and they're going to be happier when they come to work. So if you're not doing those base level things that any grown adult should be doing, that's a great place to start. Look at that. Like, why am I not doing this? Interesting. And they're, and they're not that difficult things. You know, where most people can really start is do a little bit of inventory on how often you move mm-hmm. and how much you move. And that either requires having your phone on you all day. So it tracks your steps or you buy a cheap Fitbit off of Amazon that tracks your steps. Right. Or you can get as advanced as like what I have, which is an aura ring, which is a little bit more comprehensive. But by some tool, there's a, there's a million. You could, I have a guy who's almost 60 who puts a pedometer in his pocket. Oh, love it. And at least he understands at the end of the day, if he's 4,000 steps short, he's going to literally pace around his house until he gets his 10,000. Because to him, at least, he feels good that he reached that milestone, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And he sits at a computer for 14 hours a day. So he tries to do whatever he can to move around in between Zoom calls and doing this and that. But mm-hmm. we've just become so sedentary that we actually have to be reminded to move. We do. You know, and then water consumption, you know, body weight divided by two plus 15 in ounces is a bare minimum. 
let's do that again. Body weight, because people always ask about this. Body weight divided Body by weight two. Divided by two plus 15 in ounces. Cool. And that's kind of kind of base, base bare minimum for how much you should. Now, if you're somebody who's active, mm-hmm. you know, you should probably be significantly higher than that. Awesome. So if you're a hundred pounds, I don't know too many people that are hundred pounds, but call it, say you're a 150 pound woman, yeah. you know, body weight divided by two is, is, is 75 plus 15 is 90 ounces of water a day. That's, you know, these are 28 ounces. So you're talking about almost three of these things a day minimum. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people who are barely scratching the surface on maybe two or three bottles of water a day. Then they're pouring down a bunch of coffee. Right. You know, they're doing a lot of sparkling seltzers, which if you have any kind of digestive issues, mm-hmm. you're putting gas in your stomach. If you're already a gassy person or have bloating issues, probably the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Um, causes a lot of constipation for people. So if you're somebody who's not having a daily bowel movement, you know, mm-hmm. maybe going 75% flat water to 25% sparkling water is a good idea. Oh, that's a good shift and an easy shift. These are small, tiny little interventions, you know, putting the phone down and, and writing or reading for 20 minutes before you go to bed, just to de-stress, you know, I, if, if you have trouble sleeping. So I think to back away from that, what is your biggest problem? Yeah. Do you not move enough? Do you eat like shit? Do you eat too much? Do you not eat enough? Are you sleeping poorly? Mm-hmm. Figure out what your number one biggest limiting factor is and then work backwards from that. Mm-hmm. If you know that it's sleep, forget about everything else until sleep is taken care of. Mm-hmm. If you know it's food quality, because I'm eating out seven or eight times a week, fix mm-hmm. your food quality first and then address quantity. If you know you're not mobile enough, what can you do to get more active? So, Because mm-hmm. you can't do all of it all at one time unless you're super high functioning. Right. And I think that's um, a place where people can potentially get off on the wrong foot because you get so raring to go, okay, made this decision. I'm going to do this this time, going to bed at this time, getting my steps in. I'm going to adjust my food quality and my food quantity. But then you realize it's too much at once and then you give up because it's too much. And it's not that you can't do it. It's just we need to scale it back. Like you said, find that number one limiting factor and go from there. And there's, you know, at the end of the day, what, what should you be prioritizing? When you look down on your plate, it should be an abundance of protein of any kind of, of any of your choosing mm-hmm. and then some vegetables and then whatever's left is starch. Yeah. You should not be completely carb free because the brain still requires 60 to 80 grams of glucose a day. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the more you move, the more carbs you, you really should eat. The less you move, the less you should eat. So if you're somebody who's fairly sedentary, a little bit more of a fat heavier diet makes sense mm-hmm. until you start losing weight and moving more. And then you can start adding back in carbohydrates to fill in the energy requirement. Mm-hmm. But protein is the number one nutrient that most people don't get enough of. And I, I start most people at 70% of their ideal body weight in grams. Perfect. So if you're somebody who weighs 250 pounds, but you want to weigh 220, Take 70% of 220, put a gram after that, and that's what you should be eating in grams daily. Mm-hmm. And if you track nothing else, just track how much protein you eat daily. Yes. And that will surprisingly, I don't want to say it's going to fix any issues that you have, but you're going to be fuller. So you're not going to want to eat more dessert. You're not going to be hungry for dessert or crave dessert. It's going to take up more room on your plate. It's amazing. I agree 100% with that. Protein is where it's at, man. It helps. I mean, it, it keeps you satiated. It, it, it's 
very recovery based for muscle tissue, mm -hmm. right? It, it reties those binds once they break and it creates an environment where you're getting a lot of nutrient dense foods. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure we've all had the, the question on veganism and all that type of stuff, which to me is not inherently bad. It's just a very inefficient way to eat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like you're going to buy an engagement ring, but you're bringing a wheelbarrow full of change instead of bringing a check or a credit card. Yeah. You can get protein from a vegan diet, but you're also sacrificing a ton of carbs to do it. Yeah. You know, I know the other day I made a post about protein and someone asked about, well, what about vegan stuff? And I'm just like, I just can't. It just is so much easier. If you just eat the protein the way that the protein is here with the chicken and the pork. I mean, like, but yeah, more power to you if you can figure it out. But like you said, it's inefficient. It's very, it's very inefficient. It does end up a lot of the vegan protein powders are have so many ingredients in them. They tend to be very rough on the digestive system. Uh -huh. Yeah. So something like a very nice, easy, digestible, clean way isolate that's lactose free, gluten free. Most people, even with lactose issues can digest that. Yeah. But you know, I've had somebody who's been doing Shakeology for a couple of weeks and their bowels are in distress every day. And if you look at the back of that label, that's by the way, for 30 servings is $120. You've got 95 different things that nobody knows how to pronounce and it's being billed as a superfood. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> And there's no such thing as a superfood. There is no such thing as a superfood. Everyone, please hear us when we say this. There is no such thing as a superfood. Chicken all food is, is either super food. or all food is either, you know, like we all know that if you put a, a candy bar in front of a child and an apple, even that child can tell you which one is quote unquote bad, bad or good for you. But everything has its place depending on the context. Yes. Now, I know I know bodybuilders who are 290 pounds and 6% body fat who after they lift, that, lift weights, they drink two cans of regular soda right afterwards to get the sugar spike because that helps them replenish their muscle glycogen levels. Now, for that person, perfectly fine. Yeah. The person who's sitting on the couch all day not lifting themselves off the couch, probably a bad idea. <laughs> so true. And again, one more reason, like that's another check in the box to build some muscle. Like, so you can enjoy these carbohydrates. Not that you can't enjoy them no matter what, but you're going to utilize them. It's just, it's, it's, life is better when you're carrying around structure and, you know, you're more capable, you're stronger, you have a better frame, you move better, you move with more efficiency, you feel more capable when you get up out of bed every day, yeah. you know, you start to address aches and pains because your movement patterns get more improved. So, I mean, if any, if people aren't lifting weights, a good place to start is at least three full body workouts a week. That's an excellent point. Absolutely. Three full body workouts a week. That's it. And, and, and base them off of pushing, pulling, squatting, hinging, and lunging. If you do those five basic movements and you do those to some level of proficiency and vary them up every once in a while, it doesn't have to be varied every time you do it. Right. Just everyone, if you're doing a row, do a seated row for six to 10 weeks until you get really good at it or until you can't go up and wait. If you're doing some kind of a push, whether that's vertical or horizontal, you're either doing a press or a push up. Mm -hmm. overhead or, or horizontal be really good at that for six to ten weeks mm -hmm. you know this idea that we have to confuse the muscle the muscle's already confused <laughs> you know we don't want to we, we don't want to confuse the body we want to be able to give the body regular consistent signaling yes. for it to have to change 
Yes. Then your body will know what to do. It's like when you're trying to train your dog, but you don't have a signal or a sound for what they're supposed to do. They're like, well, what do you want me to do now? You're using this word and then you're using that word. I don't know. Your body is the same way. Give it that consistent signal. So it knows, oh, they want me to grow. Okay. Yep. And, and I think that growth has a negative connotation to it. Like you tell a woman that she's going to grow. She immediately thinks that her pants aren't going to fit. And I can give you a hundred examples of a person who stayed the same 210 pounds and who's fitting into smaller clothing at the same weight yeah. because they've recompositioned the way their figure is, mm -hmm. right? Their navel circumference has gone down, but their hip circumference has gone up because their butt has grown. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thing for most women. I don't care if you're 210 or 105. Yeah. You know, their arm circumference has gotten smaller. Their, their chest circumference has gotten smaller because their boobs have lost a little bit of fat around them. Yep. So these things, the scale weight number is very, very, very confusing. It changes too rapidly. It doesn't hold a lot of real information to it. There's no meat behind it. So if you're doing stuff that's actually trying to make an aesthetic difference, I always encourage people to take body measurements mm -hmm. every two weeks or every month. Take pictures of yourself from three different angles every two weeks or every month and put them side by side. Don't show anybody, but just do them for yourself. Yep. And then take a weight once a week. That's all you need is one snapshot of that weight, same time, same conditions every week and track that one number. And that's all you need. You don't need to, because I guarantee if you have a shit weekend of eating, mm -hmm. or you have four or five birthday parties in one weekend where you're drinking and you're eating chips and you're doing this and that. Monday morning is not going to be an agreeable number for you compared to Friday morning. Yep. So, and then people live and die by that number. And then that, it screws up their whole week and mm -hmm. they either starve themselves or they overexercise. And now that's just creating a dysfunction mentally. Absolutely. And you know, it's so interesting. You guys have heard, heard, you guys have heard us talk about this. You've heard other hosts talk about this or guests talk about this. Like what you're doing, it's not uncommon but it's also not working. So let's figure out what it is we need to do based on everything we've just talked about. Find out your limiting factor, eat your protein, move your body, strength train. Again, it's not complicated, but you have to do it. It has to be more often than not. And if you think about the commitment it actually really takes, say in the worst case scenario, you start this process, you've never done anything at all and you're starting this at 60. Mm -hmm. The average lifespan, I think, for an American female now is like 88. So that means that the next 28 years of your life can still be yours. Huh. Good point. So if you spend the next year of your life dedicating yourself to that process, it's only one year out of 28 years. Mm -hmm. And that's for the remainder of your life to feel good and look good. Yeah, let's talk about that. First off, I love that you said a year because I do think we have to start thinking in terms of one, two, three years when it comes to transforming our bodies because it is such a process. But um, also within that time frame, you're not going to be dieting that whole time because you need to make sure that your body is in a good spot to be in that caloric deficit like we talked about in the beginning. No, and that's why you should diet physically, right? You mm -hmm. you you get yourself up to an energy balance state where your your calories in matched, your calories out, you're building a little bit of muscle, you're starting to feel stronger and your sleep gets better and your motility for your bowels gets better and you're feeling better overall. Then once you feel ready, then you enter into some type of deficit, which could be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you can run that deficit for as long as you see fit until you start to see some desired results. Then you live in that body for a little while at maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then you start to slowly reverse yourself back out of that comfortably and slowly where you're not just gorging yourself on 
on three or 4,000 calories more than you were at before. And then you can play that game basically until you're off this planet. And there's no reason why you can't do that. And the same way an athlete has a preseason, a season and a postseason, that's the way you can live your life too. You have a preseason, which loads you up for your diet. Your diet is your in season. And then your postseason is your recovery. And if you approach it in that realm, you always have something to look forward to because you're not just stagnating your goals and you're not stagnating your approaches. I, this is so great because what is so hard about being in fat loss? Like if you don't ever know when it's going to end, like I understand, oh, I'm going to have to start eating this chicken and this broccoli and only have 1500 calories. Yeah. But if you only have 1500 calories for nine weeks, no problemo. You can be focused get in, get out, and then move into the next season. I think it's really, it helps mentally and people would see more compliance because can't ignore the fact that compliance is an issue. (laughs) So if you have, you have a start and an end date for your actual diet, your fat loss phase, mentally you can stay there. You're like, I know this is only one season. I'm going to reverse. I'm going to be able to eat more food. It's going to be amazing. That's awesome. And then try to be strategic about it. Like if you know you have a shit ton of events coming up and you know it's unrealistic for you to, or you're going to have, you know, six, seven weekends in a row where you have prior obligations, probably not the best time to start a diet Mm -hmm. where you're doing well for four days and then you're off the rail for three and then you're playing the seesaw game. Yeah. So make sure it's like, I think the winter time is probably one of the best times to really focus on yourself because it's not, you know, unless you're somebody who's enjoying winter sports and you're, going to the ski lodge and drinking beers and having chili, you're probably just sitting around not doing much, which allows you time to cook for yourself and prepare your food. You have time to go into a facility. I mean, COVID prevents that a little bit, but it's getting better. Mm -hmm. You know, you could still move your body in those environments. So that's when you can focus on really honing in your skill set and then prep yourself for the springtime where you can maybe shed a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. And then you maintain that weight loss throughout the summertime to where you are active and you are going to enjoy some meals out you're also going to be moving around more because the weather is nicer and you have the capability to move more. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really no different than like eating seasonal vegetables or eating seasonal meats because you do what's convenient and what's available based on what's going on around you and your environment. It's so true. And for anyone listening, that is what you listed is exactly how I approach mine. Cause I, I like to be leaner in the summer. I like to spend as much time as I can at the pool. So I will reverse through the fall. I'll be in maintenance through the holidays so I can eat all the mashed potatoes I want, pumpkin pie that I want, Christmas, no problem. And then towards the beginning of February, middle of February, that's when I'll start to transition then into more of my fat loss phase. So I'm ready for the summer, can reverse at the end of the summer. And it's just, that's how it goes. And that's perfect. And, yeah. and, and, and here's the thing. If, you know, if your listeners actually haven't taken a look at you yet, I encourage every female listener that listens to Kylie to actually go on her page and look at her. You said you're 42? 42, yes. Most 25-year-old women I know would kill to have your body. Thank you. So, you know, this I Sorry, hold on. I'm getting something popping up here. You there? Yep. Sorry. No so, you know, it, it does, there's no age limit to looking a certain way, you know, and do you have children or no? Yeah, I've got one child. He's eight years old. So there you go. I mean, it's not this idea that I'm a mom and I can't do it. And the body that I had is like, are you going to be, if you were 125 prior to pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but now you're kind of comfortable at 137, 
do you really want to strive to be 125 again? Is that realistic? Maybe not. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. It just depends on what you're willing to sacrifice to get there. Mm -hmm. But if you're just trying to be the best version of your current self that you are now, mm -hmm. that can mean a couple pounds lower. That could mean some more muscle. That could mean a little less fat. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take time. And that time is unpredictable. Mm -hmm. That time is a direct correlation to what effort you're putting in daily. Mm -hmm. So the more you let off, the longer it's going to take. Mm -hmm. The more you give yourself excuses and the more you give yourself kind of avenues out, the longer it's going to take. Mm -hmm. And the more setbacks you have, the longer it's going to take. So the more you keep your foot on the gas daily, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be, I'm 100% compliant every single right. day. Nope. I mean, 85%, 15% off. Like mm -hmm. for your average person, like if you don't care about having a six pack, you don't really need to work all that hard. Yeah. And I, I love that. Yeah, time is on your side if you're doing the right thing. Just like James Clear says, you know, time is your ally if your habits are serving you. Time is your enemy if your habits are, you know, pulling you away from your goals. So if you're doing the things consistently, you're only going to get better. You are honestly only going to get better. And I, I think, you know, to that point also, understanding what to measure and when to measure it. So, if you're constantly striving for nothing but fat loss, it's really a race to zero. Amen. The only thing you're measuring is, am I getting physically smaller? Is the scale number going down? And is that really the only thing I'm focusing on? So instead of that, shift your thinking over to how much stronger am I getting during this, this, and this movement? Mm -hmm. How much better has my sleep gotten? Am I more digestively comfortable than I was a month ago? So there's other ways to measure progress and success other than just that silly number on the scale, because that's going to leave you wanting a lot more all the time. Oh, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's like having, it's like having enough money. Like how much is enough money? Exactly. If you check your bank account every single day, it's probably not going to change that much. No. And also it's like an emotionally unavailable partner. Like you just give and give and give, and it never gives you what you want, but you keep going back. Yep. I can relate to that. I understand. Oh, no. we're full of analogies today. This is so good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it, it's hard. And I, I understand the people's struggles because I'm a 37 year old single man and this is my life. Like I've yeah. chosen to live a life of servitude to this business. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get on a plane once a month to go somewhere to relax, that's my outlet. I don't have children. I don't plan on having children. So yes, is it easier for me than for the mom of four to lose weight or for the dad who's sitting in front of a computer screen and has to spend the whole weekend with his kids after that. Yes. But is it impossible for them to do it? No, because I know guys and gals who work two or three jobs who still make it to the gym. I know gals and guys who make no money, who figure out ways to meal prep. I know people and where I live, it's almost unlimited resources. Mm -hmm. So if you live in an affluent area, I mean, Denver is no less affluent than where I live. Right. Like shame on you. If you tell me you don't have the money for it. Or if you don't have the money, then you have to spend the time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the time, you have to spend the money. So you got to choose what sacrifice you're going to be able to give up. Yeah. There's 5 million different food prep services that exist online. Mm -hmm. None of them are any worse or better than the other. Pick one that works and stick to it. Yeah. If you don't want to make your own food, mm -hmm. if you can't get to the grocery store, they all deliver now. I know. It's amazing. All you have to do is prep your protein, weigh it, put it into a container and stick it in the fridge and grab it and eat it. Yep. It's easy enough to get carbs. It's easy enough to get fat. Mm -hmm. So if protein is your biggest problem. Prep that ahead of time and nothing else. 
I know it. Well, and to your point, uh, yes, we understand people are out there working with a lot of stuff, the kids, the jobs, whatever. But the reality of it is that's your life and you have to figure out a way to make it work for your life. And you chose it. Yeah, you chose it. 100%. Like you chose your life. I chose my life. And this is not on topic, but I want to talk about it. Um, you know, people will say, well, it must be nice. I'm like, yeah, it is nice. I fucking built this. I created this. Yes. Yeah. You can do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Nobody told you to have four children. And no. Six children. You know, nobody told you that. If, if you truly, you knew what was going to happen. You knew that you were going to be too busy for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, when I hear a lot of women in their 40s and 50s complain about what they used to look like. Like, stop worrying about what you looked like when you were 25, when you had all the time in the world and no children. Yeah. Because but when you were 25, all you cared about was chasing guys and drinking and going to brunch every weekend. <laughs> now your priorities have shifted. So you, you can't expect the same thing out of yourself that you had 20 years ago when you had all the time in the world. Yeah. Do the best you can with whatever little time you have available to you now. Yeah. What can you control in your environment? Mm-hmm. Can you control what you're putting in your mouth? Yeah, I think so. Can you control how often you move every day? Yeah, I think so. Can you control how much water you drink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is sleep a little bit more unpredictable? Sure. You know, can you your routine. Yeah, the quality is unpredictable, but your routine can be um, consistent. Yeah, I mean, you're the one putting your children to bed. Mm-hmm. You're the one feeding your children food. So this idea that I have to eat what my kids eat, make them eat what you eat. Right. Whether they like it or not, who gives a shit? If they complain about it, Right. Eventually, with no food, they're going to eat something. I always like, say, for in this house, it's each man for themselves. You do not want to be married to me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but no, maybe that's. But I respect that because <laughs> when I was growing up, I grew up in. I was born in Russia, and I was, you know, we came here in 1989, right before the collapse of communism. Oh, crazy! I ate whatever the hell was available. Yeah, I don't have a choice. Whatever my parents made. That got thrown onto a plate is what I got to ingest. And that was, I was lucky enough to have that. Oh my gosh. Wait, you were born in Russia? Yeah. This is so cool. So, you know, this idea that like, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Changing your life is uncomfortable. It is. If you're comfortable in a certain place, then that's obviously what you've gotten used to. Mm -hmm. And in order to create some level of significant change, it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you're not willing to at least do that and start that and try that now, you're going to be wishing and wondering. And when you're 80 and you're laying in that bed, barely able to move, you're going to look back and say, I had 40 or 50 years to write the ship. Mm-hmm. And I was too goddamn lazy to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's really right. Go ahead. That, but that's, isn't that, isn't that really what it is? Is like, we live in an environment now, and this is kind of where I get a little preachy, but like, it's okay to be okay now. Yeah. And like, I'm sorry, like you, like you, were, you were lucky enough to be here breathing air and being alive and have four working limbs and a working mind. Mm-hmm. Why the hell are you not taking, I know guys with no arms and no legs that are still working out. I know mm-hmm. people that should be clinically depressed to the nth degree. One of my clients almost lost his leg and spent two years in a hospital bed. He works out five days a week. He has all of his meals prepped for him. All he worries about now is his mental and, and physical health. And he's doing everything he'd possibly do to make him make the rest of his quality of life better. Mm-hmm. So if you have a working body, celebrate it by treating it well. Mm-hmm. And if you squander it and you treat it like shit, don't ever complain about not feeling or looking good because it's your fault. That's, that's so true. And the other day I was talking about this 
if you can, if you are able-bodied, what a gift it is to be able to move. Like, don't take that for granted, especially this past year, you know, with so many people who lost so many people. And I have had friends that lost people unrelated to COVID, but you just, you're here for a reason. Your, your family, it has you for a reason. Like don't squander that away. It's just sad. You know, it's sad to me. And it's sad that I, I'm, I'm 37 years old. So I'm usually younger than most of my clients mm-hmm. and I'm telling them how to and listen. I, Lord knows I have my own problems. I'm right. not, I, I'm a work in progress just like everybody else is, but I know that if I put forth the effort that I put forth yesterday and do it a little bit better today, I'm at least going to be headed in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have bad days. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an emotional creature. There's days where I could sit on the couch and hate my body and cry about it. But I have to pick myself up because there's another day for me to go on and there's another day for me to try. Mm-hmm. So this idea that like, well, you know, I had a bad weekend and I had another bad week and I have this, this, and this coming up and I just can't start anything. It's never too early and it's never too late. Just do it. Yes. Just What's do the worst it. that's going to happen? You're going to feel better temporarily <laughs> and then you're going to get used to that feeling of feeling good. You're never going to want to feel like shit again. I will say that is the truth. I think some people are, um, they're so far gone. They forget what it feels like to feel good. I'm sure you feel amazing in your body. There's days where I don't. Yeah. You know, there's days where the same dysmorphia that females have about weighing a certain weight. Oh, like, yeah. Listen, I walk around with a six pack almost all year round. Most guys would kill to have my body. Mm-hmm. There's days where I don't, I feel less than. Yes. There's days where my emotional well being doesn't match up to my physical well being. And that's mm-hmm. an internal struggle that I have to deal with. Yeah. And I know people from the outside will be like, oh, well, I don't understand that. The same way you don't understand how I feel, I don't get why you can't get off the couch. It's true. Right? Like my problems are my problems and they're just as real as yours. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm not trying to get better at it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you should be not trying to get better at it. Well, and I think the two, the physical and the mental are connected. Because once you feel that capable feeling, there's there's something about strength training, you know, deadlifting, however many pounds you can deadlift, whatever's heavy for a person, your person, you, you feel strong. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm so strong. I can do anything. It yeah. translates. And it's, a, it's empowering, especially to females. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, when I, when I put 250 pounds on that, on that 60 year old woman's hips. Awesome. Most women her age aren't are barely moving, let alone lifting weight, right? And and she doesn't even have the use. She has limited use of one of her arms. I love her. And like she's such an inspiration to me. And if I have a bad day, I call her. Like oh. these types of people who are just highly motivated. And I don't want to say motivated because I really do don't. I don't like right. that one. I really do prefer discipline. That's good. It's just discipline. It's just if it's raining, I'm gonna go do it. If I feel like shit, I'm gonna go try. If I'm having a bad day, I'm going to still make the attempt. No matter what the environment dictates, you still have a plan in place for you to try to move forward. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love her. Will you tell her I love her? I will. I'll have her follow you so she can, you'll, you'll see her. I love it. And you know, to that point, as we wrap up, find those people that inspire you. Like that's inspiring to me. Today is a rest day for me, but tomorrow when I go lift, I'm going to think about her. Um, surround yourself or follow people that inspire you because like I'm with you motivation. It's just silly, but the discipline, if you see people doing it, you're like, okay, she can do it. He can do it. 
they have it worse than me, or they have the same situation. I can do this. It's pretty powerful. It's really, it's, it's, again, it's not complicated. It just takes effort. Yeah. And the, the longer you spend trying to find the magic pill, the further off track and the further off the road, you're going to take yourself. Oh my gosh. That is so good. Yeah. Stop searching, start doing. Oh, yeah. so where can we find you on Instagram? Four weeks to the beach with the number four, right? Yep. The number four and the number two. So four weeks to the beach. I have a website that's basically kind of a landing page for my services. Um, you see all my wacky ideas on Instagram. That's probably the best place to interact. Yeah. Um, I love your wacky ideas. I'm like, yep. Double tap, double tap, share. <laughs> I mean, that's, I just, I, you know, I, about three years ago, I was spending a lot of time shirtless and, and being very self-serving and showing people what I can do. Yeah. It was basically just to get attention. And now that I'm older and wiser, I, I realize that my purpose in this world is not to serve myself, but to serve others. It is. It's the natural evolution, I feel, of a good coach. But I've, I've been there too. I don't want to show pictures of myself anymore. I want to show my clients. I want to share ideas. Agreed. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, listen, as a single man, does it, does it help to get some attention here and there? Does it feel good? Especially when you have self-confidence and insecurity issues? Of course it does. And right. If I keep constantly looking for other people to validate me, I'll never feel good enough about it anyway. Mm, that's true. Wow. I love that. So you offer all, you offer online, we're focusing on online yeah, right all, now, right? All of my coaching services are remote, so that's all over the phone. Um, yeah, obviously, if you live in the Fairfield County, Connecticut area, I'm a personal trainer here, so I, I do see people here. But I honestly, I, I think I, I affect way more of a change through nutrition coaching than I do through training. You know, I end up kind of babysitting people for an hour most mm -hmm. of the time just to get them out of their own space mm -hmm. and get them into a gym. Um, but the real change comes with the weekly check-ins and the accountability and the constant feedback loop and the communication that you get from having a full-time coach. And unfortunately I don't have very many boundaries, so I'm too available. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's probably one of my biggest flaws. So for 250 bucks, you get basically full access to me all the time. <laughs> Much to the detriment to my mental health, but listen, it's all yeah. about you. Oh, it's Sunday at seven o'clock on a Sunday. Thank you for texting me this early. <laughs> I still, you know, I still address it. Unless I'm asleep, I'm getting back to people. I know. And, and that is the sign of a great coach because clearly you care. Like we do this because we care about people. And I, I'm with you. I, I just am so sick of people having stuff sold to them that's not going to help them. It's not fair. It's not right. Yeah. And I'll pull the plug on people if I see it not working for them. I, I'll make the decision for them. Mm, that's you know, awesome. If we're halfway through a month and you're not doing what you need to do and you're just not into it, I'll be like, here's half the money back. No hard feelings. When you feel like you're more ready to do it, kind of come back. I'm always mm -hmm. here. If you need some momentary advice, text me. Mm -hmm. But I, if you're not all into it, there's no reason for me to be all into it. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure everyone got a lot out of this. Was I mean, this is, you now know what to do, everybody. Yeah, no excuses. No excuses. Well, thank you so much for your time, and I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you. I appreciate right, it. Bye-bye. Thanks. Well,